0: Let me begin by just uh, again saying to each and every one of you, Merry Christmas. It is uh, really a delight to have each and every one of you here. I see some of you are here uh, dressing up as if it's cold outside. Maybe that makes you feel a little more festive. Spoke to my family members earlier this morning. They live in Canada or in upstate New York. And they're experiencing like the whitest of all possible Christmases. And uh, I was telling them, you know, we have our own weather here. I mean, the, you should have seen the way those palm branches were blowing this morning. And I distinctly saw a wisp of clouds. So, you know, I said, you're not the only one getting weather. But uh, it is a joy to have you here because each and every one of you are, are welcome here. I know that some of you are here um, because you're from out of town and you're visiting, and you were looking for a church that was open on Christmas morning. Some of you are here, even though your family is still gathered uh, at home, and they're maybe wondering why you ducked out to go to church. Well, we're grateful to have you with us. Some of you are here, um, and you're still overcoming some challenges uh, physically, uh, still recovering from illnesses and, and other issues, and so we are grateful that you're here. Some have made long journeys from all over the county to come for this shorter one-hour service, and your willingness to come and be a part of this is really precious to us because this church is only as strong and as meaningful as the people who make it up. It is the body of Christ. Uh, Some of you actually may be here because it's your pattern to come to church on Christmas— maybe on Easter, but maybe you don't go to church most of the rest of the year, and I want you to know that you're, you're welcome here as well. Um, I'm trusting that you've got good intentions and good motives for being here, and I hope that today is a special day for you as you hear the gospel and why maybe it would be good for you to come more often. Now, if you're a church member and you don't come very often, it's entirely different, but uh, whatever your reason for being here this morning, I, I did want to remind you of the reason why we even celebrate Christmas. You know, why do, we even, why do we even have this annual celebration in the first place? What distinguishes it from all the other holidays? And in order to, to understand that, I actually want to go back into a passage you might not be expecting to hear from on a Christmas morning, and that is the book of Galatians. And in Galatians chapter 3 and all the way through that chapter and into the first seven verses of chapter 4, uh, the Apostle Paul explains to the Galatian believers why the coming of Christ was so important and why trusting in Christ and in all that he has done for us is the very essence of the gospel. It is the reason why we're gathered here this morning. And, and in this section, which I'm just going to describe for you uh, today, just briefly, a short message, Uh, I want you to hear about four things in particular. The first one is a promise. The second one is a guardian. The third is a savior. And the fourth is a gift. A promise, a guardian, a savior, and a gift. Now, to understand what went on on Christmas morning, though we have no idea what day that actually was, there's no reason to think it was the 25th of December, but on that morning when Christ was born, It was actually the fulfillment of many thousands of years of unfolding history. In fact, to understand Christmas, you've got to go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. To understand what's going on in Luke 2, which was read to you earlier, you've got to go all the way back to Genesis 3. Because it was in the Garden when Eve and then Adam sinned that God introduced the promise that one day he would send a Messiah. You realize what we're celebrating today is because of what happened all the way back in the garden. And he promised that one day uh, there would come somebody who would crush the head of that serpent, the devil, who had led the world into sin and curse and destruction. And God made a promise to Eve, and it was later described for us in the New Testament in 1 Timothy chapter 2, that that from the woman, from, from Eve, there would become salvation through childbearing. And many years pass by, and then onto the scene comes another man named Abram, or later Abraham, and he was given a promise, and that's really where this begins, it's a promise. And the promise that was given to Abraham, the promise that was given to this old man is that that he would have a son, and that through his son would eventually come one that would redeem and bless all the peoples, both the Jews and the Gentiles. And for pretty much the, the rest of the narrative in the rest of the Bible is the unfolding of that story. But the author to the Galatians, the Apostle Paul, wants to remind them that along the way there came another event. And that event had sort of confused and derailed them a little bit because what happened was, according to Galatians chapter 3, 430 years after that promise was given to Abraham, a promise, by the way, that was based entirely upon faith, Salvation by faith alone, just believing. 430 years later, a man named Moses comes on the scene, and God gives Moses something called the law. And the law was what God expects of his people. The law was the way that his perfect holiness is played out in the lives of those who claim to be his children. And, And this is a really interesting point in the story because God reveals that it is his will that these ten things be done or not done. And most of you know them, the Ten Commandments. Uh, You are to have no other God but God. There is only one God, and he is to be the object of your worship. Uh, You're also not supposed to have any idols. Uh, That means that you take something and you make it into a God, as it were, even if you think it's the real God. Uh, You take something and you try to worship it instead of the invisible, one true God. You're also not to use his name in vain. That means to speak carelessly about him. You're supposed to honor the Sabbath rest that he gives, to honor your father and your mother, uh, to not murder, or commit adultery, or steal, to not lie about somebody else to get them in trouble or to get them cursed. And then finally, you're not supposed to covet. You can't covet somebody else's house or a car or wife or family or servants or business or anything else. And God said this essentially describes how it is that you're going to live a holy life. And um, Jesus himself describes it this way, kind of to boil it all down into something that we can remember. He said, the whole law is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Here's the problem. None of us have ever loved the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and none of us love our neighbor like ourselves. The problem is that that law that he gave, that that law that directed, that law that helped to curb sin, that law that revealed his character was a law that was impossible for anyone to live up to. And so this introduces our second point. From promise, we move to this guardian. You see, Paul says to the Galatians, we've got a guardian. The law was there to, to keep us on the right path. The law was there to move us from this place of where the promise was given to the ultimate fulfillment of that promise. And what we do is that when we look at the law as a guardian, Paul says that it protected you, but it also enslaved you because you realize that you couldn't ever live up to that expectation. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you felt like you could never live up to the expectation? You know what that feels like? Parents have expectations for you. Employers have expectations for you. Pastors have expectations for you. And you think to yourself, I can never live up to this. Well, imagine that, but it's not just another person. It's God himself. And he says, the only way to be with me forever is if you live up to this expectation and you do it perfectly your whole life. (laughs) That's impossible. In fact, that's bad news. The bad news is that if you don't live up to that expectation, then you're going to be cursed. And so, this guardian, this one who watched over the people, this this guide was meant to guide you along the way and to remind you that you could never live up to the law perfectly. However, you were to be always looking forward to the one who did and the one who could. And that is why we celebrate Christmas. Because when you get into Galatians chapter 4 and chapter uh, 4 verses 4 and 5, you're going to read this, that at the proper time when all the time had been fulfilled, when all of this plan had finally come to fruition, God sent forth his son. You see, he didn't create Jesus. Jesus wasn't born of a normal natural union between man and woman. We know that. He sent him from heaven. He sent him on a mission to earth. And when the time was right, he sent his son, and he's described as being born of a woman. That means he's a man. He's human and born under the law so that he could redeem those of us who are under the law and we could receive adoption as sons. This is the awesome truth. So all of this was pointing to the fact that one day a Savior would come. And it wasn't just because God wanted to do something nice for us. It wasn't just because there hadn't been a miracle for a long time. It wasn't just because the gospel story is so precious and beautiful. It's because it was absolutely necessary. We sang earlier from Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I love that line where it says, late in time. Late in time he came. It doesn't mean he was late. It just means that it was thousands of years after that promise was first made that God finally brought us the promised Savior and Messiah. And that leads us to that third point, which is Savior. That's why he's here. The promise made to Abraham that you'd be redeemed through faith. The guardian being the law that said, though this is God's expectation and you will do it as you glorify him, you could never do it perfectly. The Savior finally comes who did it perfectly, born under the law. But also obeyed the law, so that he could, as a man born of a woman, die, but as God die as one who came in under the law, but lived it out perfectly, so that he could redeem, buy back, purchase from the curse and sin all of those who had fallen, which is every one of us. And and here's the, the beautiful ending of the story. You see. The gospel is depicted in this, because the gospel has always been by faith. Paul makes that argument very clear, and you can read this in Galatians 3 and 4, but it's always been by faith. It was by faith that Abraham was saved. It was by faith that people were saved, even during the time when the law ruled over the people in the time of Moses. It is by faith that you are today saved when you put your faith in Christ. And by doing so, you are redeemed, bought back, and you are adopted Now, imagine this for a moment. Imagine that um, when you woke up on Christmas morning, uh, your parents sat you down and they said, you know, instead of gifts this year, uh, we're going to do something a little bit different. And uh, instead of gifts this year, we're going to read you our will. And we're going to let you know uh, that as our children, simply because you belong to us, you were born to us, you are entitled to a portion of our estate. Now, you know, in my household, I would sit them down. I would say, you stand to earn literally dozens of dollars (laughs) because you're my child, because you belong to me for no other reason. You're mine. You automatically get it because you're born into the family. But what this text is teaching us is that the faith that we show is a faith that brings us into that family. It's not by trying to earn our way in. It's not like you could send your kids out into the neighborhood and say, now you go ahead and tell any other kids in the neighborhood, as long as they obey our household rules, they also get a portion of the uh, estate. It's never going to be enough. It's only because you belong to your father, you belong to your mother, that you are given this. Now, if you apply that to the gospel, it's this simple. When you receive and believe and put faith In Jesus Christ, he says, you are adopted. You become my child. And you, therefore, share in all the eternal, infinite wealth of God. So there's a promise. There's a guardian that leads us to Christ. There's a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And let me just wrap up with this one thought. There's a gift. Now, when I said to you earlier to put your faith in Christ, or when I say to believe... Do you, ever want, do you ever wonder what that means? Have you ever heard a preacher say that? What you need to do is believe. You need to have faith. You need to, to put your trust in Christ. And you say to yourself, I, I, I think I want to do that. But I just, I'm not exactly sure what you mean. Like, what do I do now? How does that look? How do I know I've done it? How do I know it worked? The gift that I want to talk about comes actually in the last couple of verses. If you follow along in chapter 4, through verses 6 and 7, you realize that there is another sending. Not only did God just send his Son, but he also sent his Spirit. And the Spirit that is sent is called a gift. And that gift is the Spirit of God who testifies to you that you are a child of God, You realize there is no greater assurance of your salvation than God himself indwelling you and telling you you are saved. It doesn't matter if somebody else tells you you are. It doesn't matter if they remember some event where they think it occurred. It it doesn't matter if you're living up to a standard. What matters is that you know Because the greatest assurance comes from God himself testifying to your own spirit that you're a child of God. And he says, therefore, you call out to him, Abba, Father. That's a deep personal relationship that you have with him. So this morning, I would make this invitation to you. If you are sitting here today, having never really grasped that, that salvation is through faith alone, that that the law exists as an absolutely wonderful demonstration of the perfect, holy expectations of God, that the bad news is you could never actually live up to it, but the good news is Christ came and did it for you, and that if you put your faith in him and believe that, that his righteousness is given to you, you are redeemed from the curse, and he puts inside of you his spirit, to tell you and testify to you and assure you that you are his, so where you can call out to him, Abba, Father. If this is the first time you've really understood that, then let me invite you to believe it. And if you've got any further questions about this, you can feel free to reach out to any of the pastors that you saw up here today, and we would love to be able to maybe more fully explain that to you. And this might be a Christmas of new birth, which has eternal glorious significance for you. And remember that one day, the greatest gift is going to be the inheritance that we have with him in this new heavens and new earth where we rule together forever. Let's pray. Our Father, we are so thankful for Christmas and for the celebration that it is. We're thankful for the faith that you give us, for the law that reveals your will and guides us and reminds us that we could never live up to that, in our own strength, but that you in your kindness, when the time was right, sent your son, born of a woman, just like us, born under the law, meaning he had to fulfill that requirement too, but that it was done so that in his perfect life, he could redeem us and give us his righteousness. And as a result, that we could receive the adoptions that you offer us, making us sons, just like him, heirs of your kingdom, and that you leave us with this precious gift. May every gift we open today and every gift we receive in the future remind us of the greatest gift of all, not just the gift of your son, but the gift of your spirit, who even to this moment reminds us, testifies to us, and gives us such assurance and confidence that we belong to you. O Lord, may we all this day be able to cry out, Abba, Father. It is in your holy name we pray these things. Amen.